Hello, everyone. I'm Contest of Wrestling.com, joined by uh, Robert D. Fleece to talk about Friday Night SmackDown. Robert, how you doing? Doing great, Colin. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we uh, we had a, a relatively normal Friday night in the world of wrestling rather than last week's absolute craziness, but still a very good one. SmackDown was fun. I, I liked it. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, before we do, just want to remind you all that this show, like everything we do here at WrestleZone, is available on any number of streaming platforms, whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be. We've got you covered. So, Robert... I have nowhere to begin. I mean, there, there's uh, a couple of things to really sink our teeth into for SmackDown. I guess I'll start with one of the more fun ones. Happy Corbin has arrived. My gosh. And it was magnificent. Uh, I will say when they announced the trademark, I had no idea what to expect. And it wasn't this. It was not, uh, you know, Happy Corbin uh, babyface. It was more of a guy that was flaunting his, his happiness and his newfound wealth. Uh, and and demanding to be called Happy Corbin, and then we got we got a little uh, perhaps like a continuation of a stupid biggie. But but Robert, what do you what did you think of this? They took such an interesting journey to get to Happy Corbin, right? Like they, you're looking at him, he's poor, and you're thinking, oh, maybe Rick Boogs will go, hey man, you got to be happy, and like he'll just be a comedy character. But no, he's happy because he struck he struck gold in Vegas, and it's like this works. This really does work. I don't think we need to call him Happy Corbin. I think that's a little silly. No, still can, but <laughs> I I like the he's rich. He's got a nice car. He got a haircut. You know, he's this works for him. I don't know how long they can keep it going. But this works for him. And Baron Corman somehow is like the master of evolution in the industry. Because he went from being the quick squash lone wolf to just the bland lone wolf to Constable Corbin to General Manager Corbin to King of the Ring to now Poor Corbin and then this. It's like, this is a lot of fun. I don't think it can last forever. No. But I'll enjoy it while it does. As will I. I mean, I think that's a very good point that, you know, Corbin gets a lot of flack, but, you know, he's been handed these different roles very, and very distinct characters. And I think he's uh, made each one work, uh, especially, you know, I'll say the past, you know, month plus of like this journey we've seen where he's been, you know, I, I think Pat McAfee said bum-ass Corbin and now he's happy Corbin. Uh, it's been a really fun journey. And I've liked how they've used social media to kind of build it up or, you know, throughout this week. Yeah, they Really good, right? Like he just stayed in Vegas and it was like, oh, he's up. Oh, he's down. He'll probably be down when he gets smacked down. And now he struck it rich and now he's happy. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, just how this is like a, I don't know, there's continuity to this. He shows up in a new car, and then I, I looked it up last, just last month, I think. Um, I think it may be right before the fans returned. His car got towed mid-match. That was like when this, this whole, uh, you know, Donald's luck thing really started to kick into high gear. I uh, got a new car, got a new haircut. His wife took him back, gave him some Wagyu, Wagyu steak. Um, I, I thought it's, it's fun. Uh, like you said, definitely, you know, it feels like there's a, uh, perhaps a limited shelf life to it where, you know, it can't last forever because, again, Happy Corbin 
still kind of dumb, but at least based on night one, they're 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 making it work. I think I think they can do some good things. That and I should say, beyond this Happy Corbin arriving and, and flaunting his wealth, uh, he got into into a confrontation with Biggie and he tried to buy Biggie's briefcase. And we got some like Ted DiBiase like. Uh, you know, you or attempted usage of this wealth here, where he was trying to literally buy the briefcase and was th literally throwing his money at Biggie, offering him, you know, $50,000, $100,000, and Biggie was still turning him down. Uh, and I, I did really appreciate how they tied in Baron Corbin's uh, unsuccessful history as Mr. Money in the Bank, where he, he, he's like, you know, sometimes people lose cash-ins, and Biggie said, oh, you know, people like you, and he said, you know, you're going to regret this when you uh, when you fail your cash-in, like, you're going to wish you took the money. Like, that's, this is good stuff. Like, when they, when they actually tap into this continuity, it's good stuff, and I like it. it. It is good stuff. I will say they cannot run the risk of thinking, oh, maybe we give them the money in the bank. People will riot in the streets if Biggie loses the briefcase before he even gets the shot. So I hope they don't go too far with this. But this is a lot of fun, and you can do so much with this for now. But I think by Mania, it's going to be watered down. Yeah. Yeah, they might go a little, you know, heavy with it right now. It's the, the fresh new thing. But then, you know, maybe in a matter of months, it'll be a little more. And, like, let's be fair. We've, we've talked on this show about Reginald. We've talked on this show about a lot of things where we start off super hot. Like, this is great. And they water it down in two weeks. I hope this is one of those things. Uh, I don't necessarily think it will be. This feels like something that they have. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but this feels like something they have kind of some some plan for. And we, as I said, we saw this kind of journey throughout the past month plus of you know Corbin falling to the absolute rock bottom, and now he's worked his way back up. And I'm hopeful that there will be something, you know, another like maybe some next step that you know a continuation of this, where rather than they kind of falling off the rails here, getting a couple of comments about you know some similarities of Cameron Grimes doing something very similar down in, albeit very different down in NXT where he struck it big with Bitcoin or, or Dogecoin. So good. And you know, and yeah, very he's very similarly enjoyed this like you know very pretty quick surge of like he enjoyed popularity. a run with Ted DiBiase like that. You could say whatever you want about the modern state of NXT, and certainly it's changing now, boys. We know that, like. But they, they they did a lot of really good stuff with Cameron Grimes, and I wouldn't mind seeing those characters intermingle if we get the chance. I mean, that'd be ideal. I, I've talked about it before. I feel like the best thing they could do sometimes is really utilize this shared universe, like MCU style. Be like, oh, hey, you know, this makes sense. Let's lean on this. Let's bring in Cameron Grimes. We saw Ted DiBiase, you know, pretty much leave NXT this past week. So I'm not sure if that's necessarily an option here, but Cameron Grimes, definitely. I feel like there's there's something there, uh, maybe even you know, in, a, in a world where he could, he could get called up at some point. I think that would make some sense. Bring him in and, you know, you know, that feels pretty organic to me rather than some of these, you know, kind of cold call-ups. I mean, I feel like that'd be pretty darn cool. So when I mean, we can hope, um, there's, there's been nothing to suggest that that actually will happen, but if we're saying, no, I, what's been suggested is, well, we're getting some comments about it. Would you like to just dive in real quick? They, they aired a commercial last night during SmackDown for NXT is coming. Which is like... <laughs> NXT is here, Robert. It's, is, it's a show on the USA Network that lasts <laughs> two hours. What's happening? I, 
I don't like this. I, I'll say this. Like, I like, I don't care about the logo. I don't care about the colorfulness. It does feel like a kick in the pants to Triple H. Big time. Big time. So I, I feel like it's just going to be yellow or orange or purple or blue, whatever the color is going to be. I feel like it's going to be the update. Like, it's just going to be ECW. You you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the vibe I'm getting, which isn't what I want. I like NXT. It had a cool vibe to it. I, I really like the NXT vibe. You know, it feels like they've they had increasingly leaned in that like rock slash like you know almost like metal uh, you know vibe to it recently. They had like the, the logo of the skull and you know maybe you could right, say it was like, a little and yeah like that logo just debuted after Mania. That was their rebrand, wasn't it? Like. I mean, maybe a soft rebrand more is now. Yeah, they are clearly, uh, pre- WWE President Nick Khan said a complete revamp. And this was the first clear, like, big step of, hey, like, right. everything's going to change. Everything's changing because this was a colorful logo with uh, Wale in the background. And I like Wale. I got no problem with Wale. Got no problem with, like, the color splash. I don't buy into the other copy in Dynamite. I don't, I don't know. Like... Whatever, dude. That's what's in right now. You know, acid wash and tie dye and stuff like that's just in right now. But I, I don't know if NXT needs to be not NXT. Right, and the I, the the you know one thing that it's pretty clear this new logo the signals the end of the the black and gold era it's not going to be the black and gold brand anymore, and that feels like another kind of stark departure where it's going to be this new thing. Which is interesting because NXT has been black and gold ever since it started. So this feels like a new beginning of sorts, for better or worse. And you know, for me, yeah, I, 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 I try not to be someone with wrestling. It's like, oh, I like the way it used to be better, but like, I, I liked the way it was, and I didn't think it needed something this drastic. And I don't know. I guess I'm a little down on this new logo. Like, it's it a little, just feels a little too much for me. It just feels like a third brand, and I don't know if I can get behind that. You know what I mean? Whereas, do, are you saying that, like, whereas NXT had felt more like developmental? Like, what is this? Well, it, like, it felt more like its own thing. This just yeah. feels like when ECW was one day, like, for, like, six months or whatever, they tried to be, like, something akin to the original ECW, and then one day it just looked as big of an arena as Raw and SmackDown, and, like, it's just the same show is the same stuff i don't need a watered down raw and smackdown agreed i think that was uh, definitely part of the reaction to this idea that nxt will be having this revamp where like it feels like it'll be kind of you know modeled into this you know main roster-esque program rather than being its own thing uh which was part of the appeal to it it wasn't a typical wwe show whereas now it feels like they're going to uh perhaps, you know, incorporate more of that main roster influence based on some of the things we're hearing. And I don't know if that's for the best based on some of the reasons that I've enjoyed NXT. I don't think I'm alone in saying that. So definitely, you know, the, the fact this aired during SmackDown, I think it was twice. You know, this is very clearly like, but, this is it. But like, my biggest issue is NXT coming soon. What's coming soon? NXT is a full brand with like four champions. What, like... And why is this airing on SmackDown? It's not on Fox. Like, I, the whole thing just felt like 
this is an all new show and forget what you knew. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure if that's for the best. And for me, I, I liked that what the way NXT was. Um, it feels like they could have maybe found a, a middle ground of like a, a reboot of sorts without feeling like they're, you know, tossing everything. And I'm sure it's, it's not like they're going to go like, you know, from scratch. I'm just saying from more of the, the presentation and, and general vibe, like if this does feel like this totally different thing, which will, I, I imagine that will likely feel pretty jarring once it actually does take effect. So uh, I'm curious, you know, but yeah, the fact that said coming soon, I'm not sure if that means that that'll be next week week after that i don't know but it's coming we do want to know that we know that much so it'll be i think after the pre-taped ones are finished yeah so the next live one will be this new launch of nxt okay i could see that so that would be i think september probably the wedding yeah that's what i thought that would be 14th? looks like yep 14th so yeah i think we could we can softly um predict or or expect that uh for better or worse uh for for that show there um in the meantime we can i mean assuming they keep it the things the way they were uh, enjoy the end of the the black and gold era here but back to the world of smackdown uh and we can kind of merge this uh as an overall discussion of the woman's division we know that naomi will be moving back to smackdown after uh mixed bag of a run on raw and i think this comes at a perfect time because the show started with becky lynch coming out and saying that she's not sorry for what she did at SummerSlam. she doesn't apologize for anything you know at first it was very much a, a baby face oh i'm happy to be back promo she said i was dangerous before but i'm deadly now because i'm fighting for my family good stuff and you know then um you know she said oh i know that there's been some controversy for what what went down at SummerSlam," and she said i'm, I'm not sorry you know i, I had the i took the opportunity fine and the crowd definitely you know they they booed a little bit at the measurement summary slam but the crowd was definitely fully behind her so they're going to have their work cut out trying to make becky an actual heel bianca comes out and says you know hey you you, you challenged me last minute how about you know i do the same to you let's have a match tonight becky says nah and uh carmella and selena vega come out with having zero uh, legitimate stake to to the title shot. Uh, Zelina, I believe I saw, is 0-6 since she returned uh, yeah. last you know, or early this year. Her last one came last September before she even got released. And Carmella has lost several title matches, including... Um, I, actually, no, I don't think they, they didn't even have their match at SummerSlam, did they? I think Becky kind of ruined that. Um, but yeah, she's lost several times to Bianca already, so definitely not having a legitimate stake there. Uh, then it wound up being that we had a fatal four-way match. Zelina, Carmella, and Liv Morgan came out and pointed out, hey, Carmella and Zelina Vega, you two have no right to challenge for this title because you haven't won anything. But hey, if you're looking for a contender, I'm right here. So they put her in a fatal four-way match. She had a great showing, but Bianca still won. So we are going to get Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair hopefully in, in, in a proper match this time around. And of course, I think most people, myself included, were thinking here, wow, they really need more legit uh, contenders in the women's division because they keep running out, come out on Selena Vega, and it's getting pretty darn old pretty quickly. Lo and behold, later in the show, they bring in Naomi, who says she's back on SmackDown. Sonya Deville kind of blows her off and says, oh, I'm not sure if you'll measure up. This is a former uh, two-time SmackDown Women's Champion, but 
uh, we will have to wait to, until next week to see exactly how she fits in here on SmackDown. So what do you think of all of these, this uh, moving and shaking and, and the woman's vision and, and uh, Belair getting a rematch, Becky's promo? Oh, let's break it down, Robert. Yeah, okay. So like, let's start at SummerSlam. Because I don't get to talk to you about SummerSlam. Nor did I. We're, you know, we're doing other things, you know. And Becky Lynch comes back and we all do the same thing. Well, this Carmella thing is bullshit. And then Becky Lynch comes back. And we're like, oh, wow, we're going to get a match. And wow, it's already over. So that's how we get the reintroduction to Becky. Becky comes out and proves that, like most that are genuinely allowed to be over, she's smart. And she just says, nah, peace. I'll see you later. Like, And that's fine. Then you get into the Fatal 4-Way Elimination match, which at first wasn't explicitly stated. A winner gets a title shot, and then they right. sort of, like... I, I saw people, like, forcing that narrative online, and then I think they said a, a potential chance at the title on the line here. And I'm of two minds about this. Because, first of all, Zelina and Carmella belong nowhere near this. It's a great <laughs> spot for uh, Tony Storm, mm-hmm. maybe. It'd be a great spot for uh, Naomi. Just, hey, Naomi's here. You know? And then you get to Liv Morgan, now, who I think maybe should have won this. Just because... Agreed. Just because, like, she has been waiting. But I also understand the perspective of from a different angle, if you drop the title from Bianca and then just replace her with Liv, that really, that's really fucked up. So I get it, you know, but I just feel like this match showed everything that was wrong with this division because it was, all right, here's an elimination match and Zelina's gone. Of course she is because she hasn't done anything since she came back. And I like Zelina, but she hasn't done anything since she came back. Carmella shouldn't be there. Carmella's been the third, like the bronze medalist in this division since she came back doing her new gimmick, which by the way, she dropped and then suddenly repicked up after WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. She came out and I felt like she was doing a complete parody of her own gimmick. Like, it <laughs> felt like I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this. But uh, silence, te- silence vibes, a 10 is talking, which by the way is a direct like line from Scarlet Bordeaux, right? Right, which that's that's real interesting. And yeah, Bianca wins. So cool. Liv Morgan, always bridesmaid, never a bride. That's the angle they're going to go with for her. I hope she stays on SmackDown. I don't want to see her move to Raw and then just do this dance on Raw. I'd rather her stay on SmackDown. I think she has a better chance there. But overall, I don't, I don't hate the match. You know, like this is good. Bianca's still in the mix. Naomi. Naomi just shows up and they're like, why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> that might be a good thing to establish before she gets there, man. Like, what do you mean, why are you here? God, it, stuff like that is maddening. Because we had heard three weeks ago, whatever, maybe even a month or two ago, that, oh, Naomi's on SmackDown now. Why do you mean, why is she here? Why don't you have an answer? Like, 
What do you mean? Why is she here? That, that drove me insane. It's like, little things, you know. It's it is what it is, you know. Like I like the progression in the division. I like that everything suddenly felt fresh. Here's Becky. Here's Liv. Here's Naomi. I I wonder where Tony Storm has disappeared to. Hopefully she's okay. Hopefully Sasha's okay. Because now yeah. Sasha's just sort of out of the picture again. They're gonna have to try to force her back in. Uh, you know, I don't know. Really- it's. We're still not sure what's going on there. Uncertain circumstances, Colin. You know, the trademark phrase of the pandemic era here. Uh, uh, Unforeseen. Yeah, unforeseen circumstances. That's it. So, uh, yeah, you know, for all of all things put together here, you know, you got Becky Lynch coming back as a heel now. Uh, For me, you know, I I bought not solidly a heel yet. Before not yet, but. Uh, we uh, this is various reports that uh, made it pretty darn clear that's exactly what they intend to do, you know. And coming back at some time like that, uh, squashing Bianca in 26 seconds was definitely a heel move. Uh, and you know, I don't know, I think it's kind of something fresh here, you know, when they do fully, you know, establish Becky as that heel character. I think that could be good. I think having you know her and Bianca at the top of the brand there could be good. Um, for SmackDown, yeah, and then, yeah, you, you factor in Sasha Banks in theory. I think that you know suddenly, and then uh, with Naomi, with Morgan, suddenly the, the division's looking better than it was. Uh, but of course, that would require um, ideally Sasha Banks to be able to go, and then you know to to you know, compete beyond the brand. But for now, you know, regardless, you know, again, we're not quite sure what's happening there. With Becky's promo, like it's weird. She's just so good as a face and so believable. Like I had a hard time really like buying into what she was saying. And yeah, like saying, "Okay, I I, I don't apologize for anything" was a cool line and like stuff like that. I just feel like it's gonna be def- it's gonna be hard for me. I think gen- the general fan base to really buy into her as a seal character, assuming that's the direction they're going. She's just, she's too likable. And sometimes in the, her promo last night, it felt like she was really like trying too hard. But like she kind of you know, I guess you know. Turned up, turned up the energy level a little bit. Got a little, got a like Seth Rollins like campy, and it was like it threw me off a little bit. Where I was like, I'm not sure if this is the Becky Lynch that works the best, you know? Well, let's remember now, and I'm gonna go take it all the way back to 2018. Becky Lynch never turned babyface. Becky Lynch just existed as a heel, and the people got behind her because it was. Well, Nia broke her face, and and they, they wanted her in the main event of Mania. I think Becky is going to do great in this role. I do worry that it'll be like Seth if she ever does fully turn, where it'll be like, all right, we're getting a little too camp, you know? And I'm not, I'm not a fan of camp. But right now, people aren't going to boo Becky except for when she's doing bad things to Naomi because people are going to go, ah, oh, you're just crapping on Naomi because uh, not Naomi uh, well Naomi too actually like honestly anybody who they feel like has earned a shot they're going to constantly be like oh well you're just crapping on all these women now because the horsewomen are back because as long as you're the horsewomen nothing else matters and now to be fair they have all worked themselves into a spot where that should absolutely be the case because they all work themselves into a spot where they're stars. Naomi's great. In their 11 years, she's been on main roster TV. You want to talk about NXT? She was on the original reality show version of NXT. 
Bianca has had the breakout year, right? I I just feel like there's nobody on Becky's level. So, yeah, she's going to put everybody to shame in the same way that Brock puts everybody to shame because he's going to walk in the room and he's going to go, that guy is a star. You're going to look at that guy and go, he is a star. And it, it does suck because you do have all this time and you had all this Thunderdome time and pandemic time to make Liv Morgan a star and make, you know, Zelina Vega mean something and make, uh, give me a Tony Storm mean something. But you just rely on Old Faithful. And I think that's where people are going to actually start to boo Becky Lynch. It's true. And uh, Bianca had a line last night where, you know, uh, this is kind of the heart of the story, maybe, you know, both on screen and, and off the screen, where it's, you know, she was the one, it's, let's say, uh, even maybe a little before WrestleMania, but since WrestleMania, really, she's the one, she's, she's, she'd been the champion. She was, uh, the, at least in the women's division, the face of the show, uh, doing all the work, working there every week. She's there every week. Uh, and then, you know, she was the one kind of, I guess, the proverbial workhorse. Becky Lynch shows up, kind of that classic debate of like the, you know, the the past generation coming in and beats her in 27 seconds, or whatever it was, 26 seconds. And, you know, that, that was definitely like that race itself, like that WWE booked it that way. And the fans, you know, at least many, many fans reacted negatively to that. Bianca as a performer, I can't speak about the person. I'm sure maybe she, but as a person, wasn't a big fan of the idea either. But as a, as a, as a storyline, of course, like that's, that's, that's crappy, you know. The, 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 well, that that's but, what happened. But here's my issue with that: it, Bianca doesn't even get angry. It's like the the baby faces of today—they're all dumb. They're <laughs> all like legitimately like the dumbest people. Because Bianca's I, look, I love Bianca's whole stick with the hair and the like, walking out there, skipping and dancing. But why are you happy? Why what the hell? She took your title in 26 seconds. Walk to the ring. And whip her with your hair. Start fighting her. Like, what the, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm not mad. I respect it. What do you respect? That you were stupid enough to go, okay, we can have a match right now. Oh, okay, you beat me in 26 seconds. Be angry. They only have, like, two methods of telling stories. It's, oh, babyface is going to valiantly work their way through no matter how stupid they seem. Or... Babyface gets angry and turns heel on you people. And they cut the you people promo. It's like, tell different stories. I thought you were a storytelling company. I thought you had writers. I thought you had a whole team of writers. Tell a different story. Like, what? what is this? Oh, what are you going to do? You're going to turn Becky heel? Because, oh, well, I'm a, a big star. Like, look, this, you. I came back for you people. It's going to be the same thing. Tell a different story. What you should have done, because I understand what they did at SummerSlam. Sasha's out. We cannot deliver what we promised. Therefore, we're, we're going to give the people Becky Lynch. And we're going to give them a title change. So now they're not talking about Sasha Banks being out. I respect and understand that. But tell a different story. Tell, hey, we're going to run with Naomi because Naomi's here. And Roman said, if you're going to be here, you better go get that gold. So Naomi beats the crap out of Bianca. No glow, no anything. And just wins. That's a story you can tell. And you let Becky face Charlotte. You know? Like, yeah. Like, 
there's so many different ways you can tell stories and they're just it's the same monotonous thing and whenever they do it it'll be well the moment of becky versus bianca in a real match will sell itself well the moment of you know becky was worth all this hullabaloo that we have to sit through now. Again, this, these shows work great, and they've admitted this. These shows work great for people who consume it through YouTube clips and nothing else. Because if you sit here and watch a two-hour show, or God forbid, that three-hour show on Monday night, you're just going to sit here and go, what did I just do for three hours? I've wasted my time. WWE viewership go, in a nutshell. Go, go ahead. Yeah, you know, thankfully SmackDown two hours, it's a little more contained, but there's definitely that sense where, you know, one on the especially on the the down weeks, it's like the booking makes it makes it wonder, like, hey, like what what are we doing here? Uh, I do want to, you know, you mentioned it just a minute ago. Uh, they do have they they have options here. I unfortunately I'm I feel like they are gonna go in some of those more uh, tired directions of like, oh, Becky's gonna, you know, say some of the usual stuff about coming back for you people, like you said. Uh, but one one good option they do have is Naomi joining the bloodline. They they bring her over to SmackDown. It's something that many fans have been, you know, fans spoken for months now. Naomi married her to Jimmy Uso. Bring her in there. Have her join the bloodline. And you know, right now at least Becky's the champion. So he also maybe you set her up to feud of Bianca. That'd be pretty darn cool. But have her join the bloodline, turn heel, something that she's been uh, perhaps overdue for. You know, I think that'd be a nice, uh, a fresh coat of paint for her. Have her be the the the, the bloodlines like uh, I don't know, like just big star in, in the women's division. That's something that they haven't had. That's something that the Hurt Business didn't have. Back when the Hurt Business was a thing, many, many people thought, hey, have Naomi join the, the Hurt Business. Here you have a chance to kind of do that anyway. Uh, I'll be in a, in, a, in a different stable. Have her do that. I think that would that'd be, you know, it's definitely uh, something new, something different they could do. Uh, again, rather than some of these um, things we've seen before, uh, this will be something at least a little different. I, I like this idea. I think it'd be good for Naomi. I think it'd be good for, hey, and, and so yeah, maybe down the road, you could have the bloodline come have all the belts and have her win the title somehow, um, maybe, maybe in a, in a multi-woman match with Becky and Bianca or, or something. I'm not, I'm not sure how you get there right here today. But you know, a couple months from now, I think that there's there's a potential outcome where everyone in the blood blood on Kevin Bells, and they could be absolutely uh, even more than they are, and the, more than they are now, they could have all of the titles somehow. They need to do that because it's we need new stories, and we need new stories in the women's division because, quite frankly, a large contingent of the audience is tired of Charlotte Flair. They're tired of. Sasha Banks, even though we're all glad to see Becky back, I think there is this droning feeling of, oh, now it's all just going to be about Becky. I think they want new people, and I want new people too, but I, I don't care if it's new people or old people. I want new stories. I want a new approach to storytelling because I think, and I think the move to with the NXT is sort of solidifying this. I think the era of let the 30-minute matches carry the show might be coming to a slower end. You know, I think it's time to start getting back to WWE-style storytelling because, quite frankly, there's another show on Wednesday night that does the in-ring stuff way better than they can. And they do 
honestly, they do storytelling better right now than WWE is because they're just doing WWE from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's just a wrestling show. I think people want to see a wrestling show. Nobody. I've never, well, I'm starting to see it now with wrestlers who come in the business, but before like the last three to five years, I never heard anybody refer to themselves as a sports entertainer. Like, or nobody says, oh, I want to watch my sports entertainment today. It's like, they want to watch damn pro wrestling. Like, give this a good pro wrestling show. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And that's that's my thoughts on the women is the storytelling here sucks. It's going to be, oh, we're just going to run it back with Becky and Bianca. And where's why hasn't Liv Morgan gotten a shot? Why... Why are you still having Zelina just exist? She shouldn't have any right to ask for anything related to any championship because she's lost every match that she's come back for. All you're doing is just running it back. Would you bring Zelina back? Could you fire everybody else? You fired her first. Maybe you should have thought about these things. Like, think about what you're doing. Ruby Soho is about to light up the world, and you had her under your umbrella. Uh, what? It's maddening. Everything that's happened this year is completely maddening. The Iconics, the inspiration are going to light up the world. And you had them under your umbrella. I I just, I don't understand. I do not understand. That, it is frustrating, right? I mean, for me, it's been this ongoing frustration. You have... I hate, to, I hate to always harp on it. You have Alistair Black right right under your umbrella, and now he's off in AEW doing great you things. You had him close out SmackDown to the point where there were reports that writers were like, yo, what did we do? Can we get him back? Like, it's too, and then you you didn't even realize that you had him on a 30-day no-compete. You popped right up in the competition. It's like, come on. They better get better at storytelling because at this point, there's no point in you trying to do anything else. Just do WWE style stories. I, the more we talk, the more this conversation goes on, Colin, the more I'm like, you know, I think there might be more problems than solutions over in the world of WWE. It's hard to disagree at this point. Uh, one thing, you know, perhaps one bright spot, at least looking forward here, comes in the main event scene. Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, finally getting the title shot that John Cena stole from him with a blue Sharpie marker. Uh, we know that that match will be happening for the Universal title next week. So at the end of the show here, we had Roman Reigns and his championship celebration. Finn Balor interrupted, challenged him, challenged him to do a match for the title, uh, and said, I don't want to wait, I'll do it next week. Roman... Didn't answer. They had a brawl with the Usos. The Street Profits made the save, and uh, then after the show, they had they made the announcement that Battle would get the title shot. Uh, but to me, the real hook here, yeah, it's a, it's cool that the Finn isn't to get the title shot. I get yet again. I continue to like what they're doing uh, with just the bloodline overall, where they had throughout the night they had this kind of ongoing saga of tension with Roman Reigns and the Usos against Paul Heyman, where the Usos literally interrogated him and saying, "Hey." Did you know about Brock Lesnar showing up at SummerSlam? And he's like, no, no, I swear, I, I didn't know. And they they clearly were like didn't believe him. They're like, all right, well, like then, you know, and the, they were asking him, like, why why'd you send us to the back performance match? He said, I didn't do that. Still, this still like, you know, this 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 uh 
uncertainty that this teasing of like okay whose side is Heyman on and uh, on the surface it seems like he's still very much uh you know with Roman Reigns like he when Caleb Braxton asked him he's like oh I stand you know but by the behind and to the side of my tribal chief and he he called Roman Reigns my like my like tribal chief and all these things but at the end of the day I this feels like we're talking about telling new stories having him kind of like you know, betray Roman or, or you know, align of Roman, uh, Brock Lesnar instead. This feels like something that could be a pretty darn good story here. So uh, I'm worth pointing out Brock was not on the show tonight, so we're going to have to wait. Who knows when we're going to see him, but, you know, I would Brock imagine someday soon. Two weeks. Yeah. So, I think, uh, by the way, I think that show is going to have Brock. I think it's going to have John. I think it's going to it's going to have everybody from Raw. That's going to be a big, big show. But I... First of all, hats off to every single participant in this angle. Paul Heyman, Usos, Roman Reigns, Ben Balor, all great stuff. And I'll tell you why. It's rooted in logic, Colin. It is rooted in so much logic that it makes you wonder who's writing it. First of all, Paul Heyman is dealing with the Usos saying, I think you knew that Brock was going to be there. And I think you're up to some shenanigans. And Paul Heyman, of course, is just trying to serve the tribal chief. Because to be honest, he certainly doesn't seem like he's by the side of Brock Lesnar. Because when Brock Lesnar came out, he looked like he had seen a ghost. And, oh my God, what are we going to do? I have a theory. And uh, look, I indulge my fantasy booking for five seconds. Happily. Roman Reigns against John Cena. Roman Reigns on Friday night says, if, I, if you beat me, I'm leaving. Paul hears this and says, Brock, I, I think I need you because if Roman leaves, I'm out of a meal ticket and he's going against John Cena and you can take John. So if he loses, I need you to take the belt back. Roman wins. Brock Lesnar still shows up and says, I'm still going to take the title. I don't care if he's your boy. And now Heyman's like, what do I do? That's the, the most logical way to go. Here's how it happened. Here's why. And now Paul Heyman has to make a decision. I think if they tell that story, that would be amazing. And they did tell an amazing story with uh, Finn Balor, who said, wait a minute, I was going to challenge you to extreme rules, but Brock Lesnar's in the picture, and I'm not getting skipped again. Fight me next week. I think... That this shows that when you have the smallest bit of logic, everything just makes so much more sense. Was there logic in the Street Profits? No, but I don't care because we're finally getting Uso's Profits. We got that once. Um... We got it once and it was really good. Yeah. But now we're going to get it in front of people. Yeah. Like, that's going like, to be great. It's going to be really good. I definitely... And by the way, you got Bianca, you got the Profits, you got Naomi. You got the Usos. There, you know, just there's some six-person tags to be had there. Some fun ones, yeah. I mean, like, so yeah, I loved everything about this angle because it was so rooted in logic. I can't wait to see where they go with it next. I'm excited. I, I this is this we talk about it pretty much every week when they have these kind of you know little brief segments throughout the night to build up the story of like, okay, they had the Usos kind of interrogating Heyman in the later of the show. Uh, you know, Roman and Heyman were backstage. Roman says like, oh, it's a, it's a family celebration. Your family, I love you. 
I'm like, oh man, if they if they go through with this, so they have Heyman turn on Roma. Like they're really gonna like they they've got something good here if they go through with it. I like the idea of having Heyman uh, explain why he did. It. I like that that reasoning for it. That that makes perfect sense. Maybe maybe too much sense for WWE here, but I, yeah, I like, like I, I really wish that somebody was was watching this podcast <laughs> because it, it like it's really you could tell such a story there. And then of course at the end of the day. Give him and go with Roman and tell Brock, hey, you know, your old news. But of course, I think Fightful Select did report something on Brock Lesnar's deal. I think he signed for eight or nine. I believe matches. it was eight matches for a year and a half or so, if I'm not mistaken. Something not like bad. That. Yeah. That's not bad. Uh, let me just pull up the Fightful Select report. You shall subscribe to Fightful Select. Uh, Fightful was told by WWE sources earlier this summer that WWE was hoping to get Brock Lesnar back and hope to have him on screen eminently. Brock Lesnar's return happened at SummerSlam. Those, those within WWE are under the impression that Lesnar is under contract for roughly a year and a half at eight matches. So that's not that, That's really good, actually, if you think about that. Yeah, pretty darn good. Maybe even better than the Goldberg deal, where it's like eight matches, year and a half. You know, that's, you know... Couple matches every couple months, you know. I heck, I, I could even see a, a title reign with that in theory. Not not to say that he'll beat Roman, but you know, they if if they finally do the Brock uh, and Bobby Lashley match, I mean, I think that's at least you can't necessarily discount that. So I I, I think that it's that's a very uh, promising thing for WWE when at a moment when they needed something uh, of of that sort, a, a big move like that, they got Brock Lesnar back at a good deal like that. So. Um, I am curious how how the chips are going to fall here. You got Brock Lesnar challenge or coming out at SummerSlam. You got Finn Balor getting his title shot next week. I would very very easily assume that he will lose next week, but you know, getting that quote unquote out of the way. You've got Edge on the show tonight or last night saying that he, you know, now that he's you know dealt with Rollins, he wants to you know get back with Rollins. You know, cost him in the first place the Universal Title. You got Rollins saying, okay, I want to fight my way back to the Universal Title by being more like Edge, going to a dark place. Uh, Biggie, Biggie's lurking there as Mr. Money in the Bank. You have a bunch of contenders there. I'm curious. And then you've got Extreme Rules next month. You've got the the Saudi Arabia show in October, and of course, in the normal pay per views. Other than that, uh, suddenly a good amount of options here. If I had to guess, I'd say Brock and, and Roman happens in Saudi, because of course it does. <laughs> That's just uh, I can see it. Of course, the money, uh, the aspect of it, you know, the Saudi Arabia money, but like. For me, the, the Saudi Arabia shows have always been this weird, like they are. Uh, gray one, area, one, one like, year it was literally, hey, I think oh, Super Showdown is Super Showdown will equal or surpass the greatness right. of wrestling, like, and they beat that over the your head. And look, I think it's a good match. I think you have options here. Brock could win. I don't see it. I don't see anybody beating Roman until somebody beats Roman, but. I, my favorite stories are when everybody is focused on the title. Because yeah. imagine that the wrestling show and everybody wants to be champion. There is still John Cena, who I do think we will see go against Finn Balor at some pay-per-view of some description. Because I think Finn Balor's going to be like, you kind of screwed me, John. No kind of about it. He's, he stole his contract. That that's that's so. And he, he said like someday I will deal with John Cena because that's a that was a crappy thing to do. And and I think there's a story to be told there. 
I just came back to this show. I just decided, let me try again on the main roster. And you're telling me I'm getting passed up for Brock. You're telling me I'm getting passed up for John. There's a good story there. Edge is the best wrestler of all time simply because everything he does, he has not wavered once since ending the feud with Randy. Everything he's done has been universal championship. I want this. You cost me this, so we're going to fight, but then I want this. And Edge is one of the few people, again, rooted in that, like, it's all about the title. And if Rollins is going to do that too, all for that, run, run an elimination chamber. You know what I mean? Like, do a chamber. Do do something, like, really fun. You've got a lot of good guys. Do a championship scramble. Remember those kids? Like, <laughs> like do, do one of those. I, I guess some probably the only one that wants it, but do do that. Like, uh, Big E is sitting around. He told Sports Illustrated yesterday, "I'm not waiting a year. I'm ready now." Yeah, yeah like, that's a great, great quote. It's exciting. Like when you have little things to get excited about, that's exciting. There's tons of challengers for that belt. There's tons of challengers for the women's belt. I hope that they stay there and that this doesn't become. Well, we just set the picture for the next six months, and we're going to sprinkle these things in, but it'll really just be the same feud over and over and over again. Yeah, they have options, and I hope they capitalize. But you know, the fact that we did see you know these options in the women's picture, in the in the you know, the universal title picture, that's why I, I and on top of that, Happy Corbin, I love all things put together. I thought it was a pretty darn good episode of SmackDown. So, Robert, I'll ask you, what would you rate it on a scale of one to ten? Now, granted, I will, will not uh, ignore that I did spend half of the show crapping on the storytelling ability of the brand. <laughs> but all things considered, it was a very, very solidly built show. So I'll give it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? I was gonna, I'm going to go for like a 7.3 because I really just enjoy the, the Roman Reigns and Bloodline stuff. Happy Corbin, a very pleasant surprise. Um and you know, maybe as I said, these the the maybe part of this number is that that potential for where they could go. Maybe I'm a little biased by that, but I'm, I, they they have good things they could do. And the fact that we saw some some seeds for those last night made me hopeful, maybe more hopeful than I've been, or I should say, more hopeful than I thought I would be coming out of SummerSlam. So I I'll go for a seven point three. Next, Chris giving an eight. Pretty darn good show. Hopefully, they can keep it up. Of course, we have next week Universal Title Match, and then the week after that will be the Masters for Garden Show. I'm sure, as you said, Robert, that will be a very bi- a big one. We've got you're going to have it's going to be a super super show with Raw and SmackDown. So looking forward to that. Otherwise, in the meantime, we'll be back here next Saturday to talk about SmackDown and the Universal Title Match. Otherwise. John Cocker and I are here every Monday to talk about Raw. No matter what happens with NXT, we're going to be here to talk about it on Tuesday night. The, Di- the Dynamite Dudes of Rampage cover all things AEW. And the end, uh, we've got a, a great stream of interviews. Council Camera guys, Bill Perch, recently interviewed CM Punk. Gotta check that one out. We interviewed Paul White again. Definitely uh, uh, a lot of Renee big- Michelle. Renee Michelle for the uh, NWA this weekend. I do not know. You're going to have to check out the interview for this. I wonder if Bill asked if they ever got to consummate that damn marriage. <laughs> like, I. Uh, I do hope that that was in there because that's something I have been. But Renee will be featured on tonight's, uh, what is it, NWA Empower. So there is that. And, of course, stick around for that. I'm sure somebody will be covering it. Um, 
NWA Empower, all women's show. NWA 73 tomorrow night. I'm pretty sure you're covering that. Yes, I am. That'll be a good time. Ric Flair's on that show. Stay tuned to the rest of the for everything else. And uh, yeah, as Nesha Kirsch put in the comments here, enjoy wrestling, guys. That's what this is. Sit down. Just enjoy it. There's so many crappy things in the world. Why are you going to spend your time complaining about this when you could simply just enjoy wrestling? Enough said. Thanks for listening, everybody.